Somebody say, God is good. All the time. God is good. Amen. Well, we're so honored. Good to have uh, Nicole here. Was you here last week? Last Sunday? No. I knew you here Wednesday night. So this is the uh, first Sunday for Gershom, baby Gershom. He is here and doing well, and uh, we just uh, love them so much. We appreciate them. And I'm just so grateful that of everybody in the, in the, in the house, a few of you, but I appreciate Gage and Nicole. Listen, they, they, uh, they really give the love month all they got. And uh, they take it to heart, and some of y'all need to do better. Hallelujah. We're trying to build this church. And uh, I know some of you are looking around, what's he talking about? Well, just wait till February. We'll talk about it. I sound a little loud out there, but I don't hear anything up here. So maybe work on, get me out there, get me here, so we'll get it fixed. Well, hey, listen, there was a guy named Bubba. Bubba, deep East Texas, redneck. I mean, Bubba. Died and went to hell. The devil walked by and heard Bubba whistling. <whistles> devil said, Bubba, why are you happy? It's, this is hell. It flames. It's hot. He said, oh, I'm from Texas. This ain't hot. Devil, he went and he, he turned the thermostat up. He got the flames of flying and it was, I mean, it got hotter and hotter. And uh, he came back by and Bubba just... He said, Bubba, why are you whistling? He said, it's not hot. I'm from Texas. Devil got so mad, he went cranked it up all the way. I mean, flames flying. It's so hot, the devil couldn't take it. And he come by and Bubba just whistling. He said, this ain't hot. This is, I'm, I'm from Texas. Devil's so frustrated, he went and flipped the thermostat and turned it on ice cold. Everything froze up. Icicles, snow. He came by. Bubba was ecstatic. He was happy. He was jumping, dancing, building a snowman. And Bubba's devil said, Bubba, why are you so happy? Bubba said, well, all I can figure is the Cowboys must have won the Super Bowl. Oh, that's just wrong, isn't it? Hell, I had to freeze over for the Cowboys to win. Come on now. I told that just for Bubba that's sitting right there on the second row. Can I, can I tell you this morning, God doesn't want anyone, including Bubba, to go to hell. Hell is not a good place. Hell is not somewhere you want to go. It's not somewhere you want to tell somebody to go. It's not somewhere that you want to end up in your eternity. And the Lord will do everything in His power. And He has given us power to try to keep people from going to hell. I want to talk to you just for a few minutes this morning about being a roadblock to hell. There are some roadblocks that God has set up in, in, in our lives and in other people's lives because hell was not intended for you. Hell was created when the devil fell and took a, a third of the angels and God banished them and he cast them into hell. But hell was not intended for his creation for you. But Satan hates you because God loves you. Did you know God loves you? Did you know that God's not mad at you? Did you know that God doesn't send you to hell? 
If you go, it's be your choice. Because God will put everything in your way to try to keep you from a place called hell. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, we're so quick to judge. We're so quick to want God to send judgment on the world and God to send judgment on our enemies and God to send people to hell. But God is patient and God is slow in His anger and God is doing everything in His power to keep as many people out of there as He can. He does everything He can to block your way. To put every kind of roadblock in your way and on the road to hell. Because he wants you to be saved. It doesn't matter. Hell is bad. It's hot. The flames are never quenched. The worm never dies. There's no, there's no cooling off period. There's no reprieve. There's no intermission. It's for eternity. And God doesn't want you to go there because He created a place called heaven and a place for you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Mark chapter 9, we see a picture of how serious and how He said, listen, you, you, you need to do whatever it takes. Not to go to hell. He said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter life maimed than having two hands and go to hell. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet and cast into hell. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm dies not and the fire is never quenched. He said, I'm so serious about this and I want you, whatever it takes, whatever you have to do. He didn't just want you to go pluck your eye out. Because you can go to hell with one eye. You can cut your hand off and still see him with the other one. This is a matter of... This is a matter of... uh, He said, you you, you got to get things right because if it's not right, you need to do everything because you do not want to go to a place called hell. And I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to set up every kind of roadblock. I'm going to do my part. And if you go to hell, it'll be your own fault. It'll be your choice. You will have to have gone around every roadblock to get there. So what are some of the roadblocks that God has set up between us and hell. Number one, it's His Word. It's the Bible. It's the Gospel. The good news. What is good news? Can I just tell you good news? How many like to hear good news? There's good news and there's bad news. The bad news is, is when one person tells you, go to hell. 
The good news is, is when somebody else comes and tells you, you don't have to. That's good news. It's not good news to hear that you're going. It's not good news to know that you're not right with God. It's not good news to know your life doesn't line up with the Word of God. But you know that. It's not good news. But the good news is when somebody tells you, you don't have to. You don't have to go where you're headed. You don't have to go where other people are going. You don't have to go just because the crowd's going. You don't have to go just because somebody told you. You don't have to go because somebody has made a way and there's a book called the Bible that has good news in it for you. God has given of His Word and we look at His Word and His Word is a road map. How many remembers road maps? Rand McNally. Everybody had one. I mean, you got that big old thick book, big, we used to get the big one. And you go on a trip, you know, and whoever's in the passenger seat, they're reading the map, and they got it marked, and they're telling you where to turn and where, what highway. Now, these kids, this generation, don't know nothing about that. You put it in Google, and Google just tells you where to go. Yeah. And if you, and, and if you make the wrong turn... Google just says recalculating. Oh, but they're used to, we used to have to go by road maps. And you used to have to read that map. And you know what? You just didn't go anywhere you wanted to go and end up in the right place. You had to take the right road. And I'm telling this morning, there's a road that leads to heaven. And there's a road that leads to hell. He said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting. And we have a road map that tells us how to get on that road. It tells us the way. And it tells us that Jesus is the way. You see, God does not want anyone to go to hell. Your worst enemy, the worst enemy in the world, the worst the person in, in prison, we look at we say they deserve to go to hell. We all deserve to go to hell. But that's what grace is about. Grace is not getting what you deserve. Thank God. I don't deserve to go to heaven, but I get to go to heaven because of Jesus. God puts His Word in our, in, our, in our path. He puts His Word and we hear, and we hear it through preachers and family and people. And He said, Your Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. It's sin that separates us from God. The Bible says that all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen, you read the Bible, it'll tell you what you need to do to not go to hell. He gave us His Word. And God's Word shows us right from wrong. It leads us to salvation. You say, well, what about all these people who don't have the Word of God? What are the, there's, there's some, there's a few tribes, but even God said, He said, listen, even those in isolation, those that uh, have never heard the, the, the written gospel in Psalms 19 and Acts 14 and Romans 1, He says, God placed in the universe and it's sufficient evidence of Himself that even those who have never heard are without excuse. We just sang it this morning. I see the evidence of your goodness I just went down 
and uh, picked up a, a, a popcorn uh, from uh, Mr. Camel. And I was down there, and he told me, he said, uh, he said, Pastor, he said, I was walking up this side street, and there was a man up on the ladder. And uh, he, he used to be a city councilman. Uh, he said, the guy told me, I, I, I just don't like you. And he said, well, sir, I'm so sorry. He said, well, you know, but you back, you was on the council, and you, you really gave me a tough time. And he said, well, you know what? If, if, if I did, you must have gave me a tough time. He said, well, I did. And he said, well, sir, I'm a God-fearing man and, and pray, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want you to have that feeling about it. And the guy said, I, I, don't, I don't believe in God. And Rodney said, uh, well, I'm so sorry. The guy said, but if I could just see some evidence. And he said, I looked across the street, and he pointed me across the street at this beautiful tree, like me and Miss Amy just saw on our little fall uh, trip up through uh, the, 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 what's he called, up the northeast, I think where New England area, beautiful trees and the leaves and all up into Canada. It's gorgeous. And uh, I thought it was hilarious. I was in Canada. It was 60 degrees, and y'all were down here in the 40s. <laughs> I got a freeze warning on my phone. I was like, they're cold and I'm hot. But uh, beautiful leaves. What are, and he, he pointed me across the street at this tree, and it was all different colors. And uh, the guy said, well, if I could just see some evidence. And Rodney said, I just looked at him and said, sir, look at that right there. You see, nature, we didn't do that. We didn't create that. We didn't cause that to happen. You didn't make that sun shine or those clouds come. You didn't make that rain fall. Listen, in evidence, there's no that there is a creator. And God said, if we they look up and honor and worship the creator, there's evidence there. Ever since creation, God has made Himself known. It's been visible. And the Bible says we're without excuse. Psalms says the heavens declare His glory. When you look up at the stars at night, and they twinkle and you see the majestic of the heavens, God did it. Acts 14 says that God didn't leave Himself without witness. He left evidence all around us. And listen, can I tell you today, we are going to be held responsible for the Word of God. You're going to be held responsible for what's in that book. I have to tell you, it doesn't matter, political party. It doesn't matter what one side or the other says. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what... I think it doesn't matter what my opinion is. What matters and what we're going to stand before God and be judged on is His Word. What His Word said is true, it's final, and we're going to have to give an account for it. Oh, I tell you, how many likes test? Nobody likes test. You remember school? taking tests, you study, you're not, you really don't know the information, you're really stressing out, and then you get there, and the teacher says, it's an open book test. Oh, yes! I'm telling you, I can look anything up. I know how to use a concordance. I know how to use a dictionary. I can look some information up. In an open book, I got this. Can I tell you today, God's not trying to trick you. It's an open book test. 
We got the book. We open the book. We look at the book. We do what the book says. It says love one another. We need to get better about it. We're going to be judged according to what the book says. Not just what we think or believe. We're going to be judged according to what His Word says. So His Word is a roadblock to hell. If you go to hell, you're going to go over the entire Bible. Everything it said. It taught you. It showed you. It gave you all the information you needed. But if you ignore it and you go around it. I I don't know if anybody is, is... I don't know the word to use. I hate to use stupid, but it applies. I don't know if anybody is as stupid as I am. But I have literally stopped at a railroad crossing with the arms down, looked both ways and didn't see a tree, a train. Well, I didn't see a tree either. I didn't see a train, and I went around the roadblock and around and back around. Anybody ever done that? Yeah, you stupid as I am. Listen, that thing's there for a reason. That red light for a reason. Those flashing lights are there for a reason. That dinging bell's there for a reason. But if you ignore it and then you get hit by a train, whose fault is it? Yeah. It would be my own stupid fault. But it's amazing how that we look at so many roadblocks and we come up to it and we see it, but we go, ah, that doesn't mean me. And we go around it. You see, God's roadblocks, they're there, but you can still get around them because God gave you free will. He doesn't force anybody to do anything, but He does His best to keep you on the right track. Number two, His roadblock to hell is the cross. It's His love. Listen, He loves you so much that He doesn't want you to go to hell so much that He created, amen, and gave an opportunity. He created this world, made everything perfect, but then sin came. Man failed, man sinned, sin came, separated man from God. And God needed someone, amen, to to come to earth and restore that relationship. And Jesus came. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so if you go to hell, you're going to have to go through the cross. You're going to have to go over the blood of Jesus. You're going to have to go through the love of Christ because He came and died for you so that you could go to heaven. He put this huge roadblock in eternity. Amen. He stretched out his arms as far as the east is from the west and said, I love you this much. Stop. Don't go that way. Receive me. Accept me. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for you when you were perfect. You had nothing to offer. It wasn't because he needed something from you. It was because we needed him. And he came while we were sinners and he died for us. And he put this huge roadblock between us and hell. And he said, I'm going to put my love there. And surely they won't go past my love. Surely they won't go past my son. 
right in the middle of the road to hell stands a cross. It's a testament to the love of God and what he wants for your life. There's a story about a, a ship called the North Star. The North Star had to cross the North Atlantic in the wintertime through iceberg-infested waters. Me and Amy had the opportunity uh, there in Canada, Halifax, to go to the uh, uh, Titanic Museum. Halifax was the closest land from where the Titanic went down. And so much of the stuff they brought to Halifax, and there's about 126, 121 people buried uh, there in Halifax. And so this was a similar ship called the North Star, and a, a sailor was placed on the deck to watch for icebergs. As fate would have it, the watchman fell asleep. When the, he woke up, he suddenly realized there was a massive iceberg ahead, and he screamed, and they tried to steer away, but it crashed into the iceberg. The jolt, the crunch, the sound, the crashing of the ice and ripping of the ship's hull brought fear to all the sailors' hearts. The captain assembled the frightened passengers and crew and he announced the extent of the damage and he told them that there was a way to save the North Star. The captain looked at the sailors and he said, I need a volunteer to jump into the frigid waters, to swim into the gash that the iceberg has made and to close the door inside to keep the water from rushing. If you know anything about the Titanic with the way it was designed, the hull, it was designed from bottom to top with walls and petitions. Each one was its own compartment. It shouldn't have been sinkable. But because of money and because of cutting corners, and because people didn't want to do what the, per, the, the, the plan said, they only built the walls halfway up. If they had built it according to design, when it hit, it filled up that one compartment, it would have done no damage. But because they didn't build it to design, and they cut costs, and they cut corners, when the gash came, it filled up one after the other after the other until it filled the ship and it sank. It's important to do things right. It's important to do things by the book. And he gave us a book that tells us how to do it. We don't have to crash. We don't have to sink. But he said if someone will jump into the waters and swim through the gash and close that door, we'll be saved. He asked for volunteers. No one said a word. The captain looked at the sailors realized he's got to go each one by one. He went down the line, the first seaman, with a mournful glance. He said, Captain, I have a wife and kids at home. The next sailor stood quiet, couldn't say anything. Suddenly all eyes went toward a voice that pierced the silence of night. As a young sailor, a teenager, said, I'll do it. The captain walked to him, threw his arms around him, gave him an embrace. And in his ear gave the order, do it. The young sailor took off his shoes and jumped into the frigid waters, swam through. 
They could hear the rushing water as it stopped. The silence. But they realized the young sailor had lost his life. He drowned. The next morning, the captain being a good man, a Christian man, called everyone on deck to show honor, thank the Lord for their safety. As they sang a few songs and read a scripture, the captain said, the young man who made such a great sacrifice to save your life last night was my only son. You were saved at the price of my son. Today, you don't have to go to hell because of the price of God's Son that He paid for your life. He made a way. He paid the price for your safety. He paid the price and He's put His love, His cross as a roadblock in your way. Don't go past it. Just come to it. If you go to hell, it'll be over roadblock number three. And that's God's people. That is the person sitting beside you. That'll be your pastor. That'll be your family, your friend. People that love God, who know God, and who want to see other people saved. God has called His people. Amen. We are the roadblocks for many. We may be the only roadblock for many. Amen. It's what we sue. They may never come to a church. They may never read the Bible. But it may be you. It may be I that is in the way of someone spending eternity in hell. A pastor Ask his congregation one time. He said, When I look through the, he said, as you look through the church windows, and if, if Christians, if Christians were like a window, and people looked through our lives, what would they see? One little lady said, well, many pains. Many are pains. Now, I know windows have pains, but Christians shouldn't be pains. We shouldn't be a pain. We shouldn't be mean and ugly and rude, and the waitresses on Sunday shouldn't dread. The, the, the whole a restaurant business shouldn't dread Sunday. They should be excited about Sunday. Christians should be the kindest. We should tip the best. But they dread it because we're demanding and rude and tip the least. God have mercy on us. When people look through the windows of life, don't let them see the pain. Don't be a pain. Amen. Be, keep your life clear and clean so people can see through you and see Jesus. They need to see the one who died. They need to see that we're not perfect. And when we make a mistake, we just hold up to it. We say we're sorry. We make it right. Listen, everyone, you, you, you can be a roadblock for someone. 
Parents, you're a roadblock for your children. Grandparents, you're roadblocks for your grandchildren. Amy, you're roadblocks for your co-workers and friends. Listen, we all need to be a roadblock. We need to tell somebody, if you're going to go to hell, you're going to have to get through me to get there. Because I'm going to do everything I can to keep you from there. What, he, what horrible thing it will be in eternity to stand before God and to hear Him say to someone, Depart from me, I never knew you. And for them to turn and look at you and go, Why didn't you tell me? We work together. We played together. We vacation together. We enjoy time together. We, tell me about this place. Why didn't you tell me there was someone who loved me? And you know what? Once we tell them, once we do everything we can, if they choose not to believe and not to, then we've done our part. The Bible says that their blood will not be on our hands. But if we don't do our part, amen, we'll have blood on our hands. I want to do everything I can to keep as many people from going to hell and to get many people to go to heaven as I possibly can. Amen? Whether, listen, everybody that's in this house, you, you're, you're here for some reason. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody invited you to church. Somebody told you about Jesus. Maybe it was a minister. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a teacher, a coach. Somebody was your roadblock. My question to you today is who are you a roadblock for? Who are you getting in front of going, hey, don't go that way. Don't go down there. Come with me. Let's be a positive roadblock. I mean, we, 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 we can't. We, we, people can choose once they know that, once we tell them they know the truth. They can get around it just like we went around that train. I, I, don't, I try not to, I don't do that anymore. I almost got hit by a train one time. It didn't have um, the guards, it just had the, the cross sign and it was covered by a tree. And it was the, the, the uh, railroad track going right into uh, uh, the golf course over on uh, Bellwood. And so you have the railroad tracks and you have the parking lot at Bellwood Country Club. And so I was going there. I was meeting some guys to play golf. And as I rolled up, I looked and I saw the putting green was right there. And I saw my friends on the putting green. And my focus was on them. And I rolled up on that track. And then I looked to my right, and all I saw was a light right there in my window and this horn blasting. Thank my foot was still on gas because reflex just stomped. The truck lurched forward, and everybody came out of the clubhouse, and everybody came off the putting green, and they were all, everybody was white, and they said, we thought you were a goner. God's mercy. I try not to mess around with trains anymore. Says that we got some engineers. Brother Corey's not here this morning. He's on a train. Uh, he's an engineer, and uh, they hit people all the time in cars and all kind of stuff. And you hear a few of those stories, and it makes you want to respect. Those things can't stop. And the train to eternity, it's going fast, and it's getting faster, and it's getting loaded up with people. And more people are jumping on. But I'm telling you, let's be a roadblock. 
Let's be those cross arms. Let's be those flashing red lights. Let's be those horns, those sirens. Let's do everything we can to tell people, don't go. Get off. There's the word of God that tells you that he loves you. There's the cross. There's the love of Jesus. There's his death, his burial, his resurrection. And there's me that's telling you. And if all of that's not enough, the Bible says that he created us into his image in his likeness and he has put within us and every man a conscience do you know why lie detectors work lie detectors they're, they're not admissible in court but they use them still and they work why do they work because God put in every man and woman the ability to know right from wrong. And when we do wrong, our body, our brain, it shows signs. You can't hide it. You can lie. You can do everything. People have learned to sear their conscience so hard that they can about get away. But you know what? I don't want to get to that point. Do you? You see, when we violate nature, when, when, when we do things that's, that's written on the law of our heart, the inner man, the knowledge of right and wrong that he put us in there. Amen. David said, for, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. Listen, God uses our own conscience to tell us if we don't have nobody else around us, God still is trying to put roadblocks in front of us telling us, don't do it. Don't go there. That's not right. But many of us, many people, many of you watching today online, you've gone past the roadblock of God's grace and His love and His word. You don't believe it. I don't. That's just an old book. That's just that's just a fairy tale, a story. People have told you. You've heard it. You, you go over it. But you know there's something on the inside of you that's telling you something's not right. That's God. That's the Holy Spirit. People ask sometimes, Pastor, what, you know, they say, well, that scripture says, unpardonable sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And, and many people, Christians, are afraid. I've committed that. You being afraid that you committed that tells me you didn't commit that. Because if you'd committed that, you're, you would be so hardened and, and, and so uh, numb and so that you wouldn't even care if you'd committed that. The Bible says it turns people over to a reprobate mind. They don't even care or want to know if they're doing right or wrong. But most people have a conscience and something inside of them that they want to do what's right. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. God is speaking to you and God is telling, nudging you and He's reaching out to you and He's telling you, receive. My grace, my love. Stop going down that road. You see, what we got to be worried about more about as Christians is that we keep ignoring that voice until we just get used to not hearing it and obeying it. There's been many times the Holy Spirit prompted me to do something, but because of fear, because and you put it off, what it, and then you lose the opportunity. And I regret those times. Get fear. But there's still times that we feel the Holy Spirit prompting us to do something 
Listen, we need to learn that anytime the Holy Spirit prompts us to do something, we just do it. We just say, yes, Lord. The Holy Spirit's never going to tell you to do something bad. And the devil's never going to tell you to do something good. So people's always saying, well, what if that's not the Lord? What if it's just me? What if it is just you and you did something good? It was still good. But if it is the Holy Spirit and you don't do it, now you're in disobedience. So we want to listen to that inner voice, the Holy Spirit, speak promise to, to encourage somebody, love somebody, bless somebody, to do good. We've got to learn to listen to his voice and hear his voice and respond and say, yes, Lord. But you know what? I can't force you today. No one can force you. God doesn't even force you. 1929, a man by the name of George Wilson robbed a mail carrier and killed him. He was sentenced to die, but before they carried it out, the president at that time, Andrew Jackson, gave him a pardon. And George Wilson said no. The case went to the Supreme Court. And the ruling and the issue, the president gives a pardon, aren't you pardoned? Can you reject a pardon given by a sovereign? Chief Justice Marshall rendered the decision. It simply read, A pardon rejected is no pardon at all. Unless the recipient of the pardon accepts the pardon, then the pardon can't be applied. A pardon has two sides, the offeror, offeree. Unless the offeree accepts the offer from the offeror, then the pardon can't be mandated. What does that mean, Pastor? It means on the cross, Jesus died for your sins... God accepted that punishment on His Son for your punishment. And He pardons you of all of your sins. If you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you. If you accept and receive the pardon my Son has given you. He's offered this pardon to every man, woman, boy, and girl. But you have to accept the pardon. If you don't accept the pardon, the pardon is null and void. Then you accept the consequences to all your actions. Can I tell you today, I don't want to accept the consequences of my sin. My sins are many, and I deserve to go to hell. But God's grace and His mercy, His love, His word, His people, my conscience has told me that Jesus died and gave His life for me and pardoned me of my sins, and I accept the pardon.
And I have been pardoned. And I have been born again. And my sins are forgiven. And now I'm going to heaven. Whether you like it or not. And you can too. You can too. Can you imagine? We've heard this several times and it just kind of keeps coming up and I just keep thinking about it. We just sang that song about it not long ago about the thief on the cross. His friend. What? What are you doing? Laughing, mocking, cursing. And the other thief looked at his friend and said, We deserve this. We're guilty. This man has done nothing to deserve this. And he looks at Jesus right before he dies and he says, Remember me. And Jesus looked at him and said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. And in the next moment, he took his last breath and he went out into eternity like millions do every day. Every second, every moment. Every time you blink your eye, somebody goes out into eternity. And here in paradise shows up this thief. And everybody looked at him and said, like they're going to look at some of you and go, how did you get here? How? I know you. I know where you came from. I know stuff you did because I was there half the time. How did you get here? And I love the response. I just heard this recently. The man simply said, I don't know. That man just said I could come. I don't know how. But Jesus said I could go. He said he loved me. He set up a lot of roadblocks so I wouldn't have to go to a place called hell. And I'm begging you today. I'm begging you watching online. I'm begging you in this house. Don't keep going down that road to hell. There's too many roadblocks. Church, let's become the roadblocks. They had that big event on the square. Many of you were praying. Me and Amy drove around the square. Pastor Marcelo were there. There was a lot of people there. There were a lot of Christians there. And there were some yelling and screaming and telling them they're going to hell. Which doesn't really help the gospel's sake much. It's not my personal way I do things, but the Lord will take care of that. Everybody... People, you got to do, but I'm telling you, Jesus loved sinners. You know what we saw? We saw people all over just going up to people, talking to them, to know them, why you're here, what's going on, and just sharing the love of Jesus. We drove around once, they were standing and talking. We drove around another time, and we saw them holding hands and praying. I'm telling you, people are hurting, people want good news. They don't need you screaming, telling them they're going to hell. They need you loving them, being a roadblock in front of them, telling them, don't go, I love you too much. Let me tell you about a man named Jesus. 
Let's show people. Let's become those roadblocks. Let's keep people. Do everything we can. Can I get a big amen? Father, today, I'm so grateful for the roadblocks you have put in our way. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your people. And I thank you for the, your, the conscious and the Holy Spirit that you've put within me to tell me right and wrong. I know that there's not one person in this building or one person watching me online that wants to go to hell. And I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to. I'm standing as a roadblock in front of you, stopping you, telling you, don't go this way. Stop. There's someone loves you too much. If you go to hell, it'll be because you chose to go over all the roadblocks that God has put in your way. Many of you are here today and you need to say, Pastor, today I'm going to choose not to go to hell. I'm going to stop. I'm going to accept God's love for me. I'm going to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to change my direction. I realize today that I don't have to go to hell. That heaven is my destiny. And it's what He has for me and it's what I want. There's some of you here today that want to make a declaration that you're going to become a roadblock. For a friend, for a family member, for a co-worker, for the world. That you're going to do whatever you can to keep people from going to a place called hell. There's many of you today that need to make a decision today that you're going to listen to the Holy Spirit more. That you're going to stop pushing Him away and stop not listening to what He's saying to you. And you're going to listen. There's many of you today that are going to accept the pardon that He's given. Doesn't matter how bad you've been, doesn't matter what you've done, He's pardoned you. It's as though it never happened. But you have to accept it and receive it. If you're in any of those categories, if you're watching me online today, I want you to pray this prayer. If you're in this building, I want you to pray this prayer out of the sincerity of your heart. Say it with me, dear Lord Jesus. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. You have created heaven for me. But I've been going down the wrong road. Thank you for the roadblocks. For your word. For your love. For your people. And for my own conscience. Today I'm going to stop running. And I'm going to receive the pardon that you have for me. Jesus, I accept it. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I confess I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be the Lord the Savior, and the friend that I need. Today, I'm on my way to heaven. Lord, help me be a roadblock for someone else.
family member, friend, co-worker, a stranger. Let me share the love of Jesus with everybody I come in contact to. Let me listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let me be led by your Spirit. Let me honor you for the rest of my life. Jesus, thank you for salvation and for heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.